0: In this week's update, markets notch up a third week of gains on hopes for lower inflation and an interest rate peak. So far, so good for earnings season. And Japan begins a historic shift in monetary policy. Well, stock markets continue to edge higher as investors look through the current period of tight monetary policy and put their faith in a soft economic landing next year. The US Federal Reserve raised interest rates again last week by a quarter percentage point to five and a half percent, but the central bank is hinting that it's now close to done with one of the most aggressive tightening cycles ever. That's good news for markets. Even better is the possibility that the economy has withstood the interest rate assault better than anyone could have hoped for. The consensus view only a few weeks ago was that hiking rates that far, that fast, could only result in one thing, a painful recession. But the evidence so far is that the US economy has been more resilient than expected, The jobs market is still strong, and that is bolstering consumer demand. So, despite yet another hike, the 11th in 12 Fed meetings, the S&P 500 added another 1% last week, and the NASDAQ index, which is relatively more exposed to rising interest rates because of its high growth stock weighting, put on nearly 2%. The week ended on a strong note after the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, retreated to 3% from 3.8% in May. This week we'll close out with non-farm payroll data which will show how fast the US is creating new jobs. A combination of lower inflation and a strong labour market is just what the market needs to keep pushing higher. Of course, what really matters is how that benign economic backdrop feeds through into corporate earnings. And on that front, it's so far so good in the currently unfolding results season. With about half of the biggest companies in America having now announced their second quarter earnings, roughly 80% of them have beaten expectations by, on average, about 6%. That points to another better than expected results season, just like we experienced three months ago. And that in turn suggests that the full year decline in profits could be relatively modest and will be followed by a decent pickup in earnings next year. Well, we would have settled for that outcome six months ago. Over here, too, inflation and interest rates are the main focus this week. The Bank of England announces its latest monetary policy decision on Thursday. And the only question is how big the rate hike will be. With the latest inflation number unexpectedly lower at 7.9%, there's a possibility that the bank will settle for a quarter-point rise rather than the half-point that most experts had pencilled in. We're a long way behind the US when it comes to winning the battle with inflation, but price rises are starting to moderate, and we're well off the 11.1% peak from earlier in the year. That means the end of the tightening cycle is in sight here too, and rates should peak below 6%, which again is a better outcome than was feared even just a few weeks ago. Still, another quarter point hike would still take rates to a new 15-year high and the economic fallout from that remains unclear. With many homeowners hooked on cheap mortgages, the current refinancing round is proving very painful indeed for those seeing their repayments more than double in most cases. Coming back to the stock market, this cocktail of good news is justifying the significant rally in share prices since last autumn. The US market, for example, has moved from a valuation multiple of around 15 times expected earnings to about 20. That's what the market does. It tends to move well ahead of improvements in the real economy as investors anticipate better times. It's why market timing is so difficult. To benefit from the market's recovery, you have to be prepared to grit your teeth and invest while it's still unclear whether the good news will actually be delivered. The better alternative, of course, is to invest through the cycle and not try to catch the tops and bottoms of the market. Meanwhile, one of the biggest market stories of the week is taking place on the other side of the world, and it's so technical that many people will be unaware of what's going on or the impact it might have on their investments. Japan, as is often the case, is marching to a different drumbeat from the rest of the world, While the West has engaged in an unprecedented monetary tightening cycle in the past couple of years, Japan has erred on the side of caution, leaving interest rates in negative territory long after the rest of the world started turning the screws and putting in place a cap on bond yields in what is called yield curve control. Japan is the only country in the world where interest rates remain below zero. Its unwillingness to join the rest of us in fighting inflation reflects the fact that for 30 years or so, there has been none in Japan. Rather, it's battled with the opposite problem, deflation, which is just as deadly as rising prices because it discourages investment and spending and so locks an economy into stagnation. But recently, inflation has finally started to stir again. And at 3.3%, Japanese inflation is both higher than it has been historically, but also higher than in the US for the first time in many years. The Bank of Japan claims, perhaps correctly, that this inflation is not driven by higher consumer demand, but by transient influences like higher commodity prices. It remains unconvinced that it needs to raise rates any further. But pressure is mounting on it to do something about rising prices, and last week it surprised the market by lifting the effective cap on bond yields from half a percentage point to one percent. It might not sound much, but it's being seen as the start of a process of normalisation that could have a very significant impact on global financial markets. That's because Japanese investors with trillions of dollars at their disposal have long sought out higher yields in overseas markets because they couldn't get any kind of income at home. If interest rates and yields turn positive in Japan, much of that money could start to be repatriated, which could cause volatility in global markets. It's a slow burn, but something that investors need to be aware of. Now back to this week, and the key focus of the earnings calendar will be two big tech stocks, Apple and Amazon, which both report on Thursday. In both cases, it's a case of whether the companies can put a good spin on slowing growth. Amazon's key web services arm saw its growth slow from 29% to 16% in the first quarter, and the latest three months is expected to see a further decline. Apple, meanwhile, is suffering from weaker consumer demand and unfavourable comparisons with a good quarter a year ago. iPhone and iPad sales could be down by more than 10% year on year. Services growth is expected to come to the rescue to an extent, but earnings will probably be flat, which doesn't sit well with a share price close to an all-time high. The slowdown in the tech sector is crucial as far as the market is concerned because the rally since last year has been driven by a handful of big tech stocks. The good news is that the recovery has broadened out in recent weeks, but a reversal in tech would make it difficult for any further advance. With 89% of leading companies now trading above their 50-day moving average, momentum is on the market side, but this bull market is having to climb a steep wall of worry.